RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. Dr Bernie Burke is one of the world's most experienced vascular surgeons in practice. He founded his surgical practice in Gosford on the New South Wales Central Coast in 1986 and has since performed many thousands of surgeries. His passion for the job no doubt influenced his son Victor, who now works alongside his father in the same clinic. What's it like to work together? And do patients ever get confused with two Dr Burks in the same clinic? First, Chris Ashmore asks Bernie to take him back to the days when he started his clinic. And why did he choose Gosford? I was born in Gosford and I grew up there till I was about nine years old when we left the district. So I've very many happy childhood memories of the district. I've always had an inkling to want to go back and live there one day, not necessarily as a vascular surgeon, but that's how it turned out. It's a place on the coast. It has beautiful beaches. We used to go to the beach every day as kids. My brother and I used to ride horses and through the bush and it was uh, a great place, I thought, to bring up a family. In addition, there was no vascular surgeon at the time. So rather than uh, setting up a clinic, I actually had to get an appointment to the public hospital up here, which I was, uh, a position came up and I was fortunate enough to get the position. So I was actually doing research at Royal North Shore Hospital at the time, which I was also enjoying, but I had to curtail that and um, take the opportunity to come up here uh, and take the position, yes. Have you seen a lot of changes in that time? I suppose it's built up a bit since you first started. Oh, there's been an enormous change. For instance, there's also a smaller hospital at Wyong, which I go and operate at, and um, when you drive up there, you could see suburbs appear over the years, virtually not overnight, but a big difference uh, in between a week's travel there, that multiple houses being built. So the, the population has increased enormously, whereas once upon a time it was probably a two-hour drive to Sydney. It's now, well, it's a 40-minute drive, 35 to the outskirts of Sydney with the new highways and motorways. So it's closer to Sydney, but it still retains its beaches and you can get away from the suburbia into the bush pretty easily so it's still a great place to live but it certainly changed and the obviously everywhere in the world medical technology has changed and that's changed our the practice of vascular surgery in a big way and we're also getting a lot more doctors in the hospital we've just done a big extension to the hospital 350 million dollar extension so it's now a big new hospital compared to what it was when I was there. That's terrific. When I started, yeah. Well, when you did start, and for a lot of the time, you, as you say, you were the only vascular surgeon in Gosford. Was that challenging? In certain ways it was. I didn't find the work a challenge. I was there to set up a practice and to provide for a, a young family. So that sort of gives you a nervous type of energy to work. So I didn't actually see the work as challenge, but I did find it challenging to combine that with family life, which um, we all know the importance of family, but when you're a vascular surgeon, it's a fairly unique pressure because a lot of your patients have life and limb threat, and if their life or their limb depends on you and you're the only one, well, 
Sometimes a family had to take a second place to that, which is unfortunate, but it was the situation I was in. So that was a big challenge, yes. Mm. I understand you're an advocate of ongoing surgical education. Is that right? Oh, very much so. I think education is the lifeblood of anything, particularly medicine, particularly surgeon, particularly vascular surgery. So it's changing all the time. You've got to keep up with it yourself and educate yourself and you've got to show the way with juniors coming through and to teach them. So I'm a great advocate of surgical education and I think the college provides a a very good basis for that with its annual scientific meeting and also we use the college to organise our annual scientific vascular conference and we find that very good. So the college does provide a a lot of help in that regard. Mm. Well, Dr. Victor Burke, if I can turn to you, what was it like for you growing up with your dad as a vascular surgeon? I think it was a very positive experience overall, Chris. Like everything, there's swings and roundabouts. One of my first memories in life really was landing a job as a research assistant for dad back in 1985, and he was doing animal lab research at Raw North Shore Hospital. And it was a dream job for me because I was two years old and I got to feed aspirin to the sheep in the lab. And that's one of my earliest memories in life. I mean, there were downsides, I guess, as well. Like any kid who's growing up with mum or dad who's a surgeon knows that dreaded phone call when you're in the middle of a birthday lunch or Christmas lunch and mum or dad has to go to the hospital to save someone's life or tend to a sick patient. I know that would have been tough for Dad at the time. You know, he was the only vascular surgeon up on the Central Coast for over 10 years. But initially, you don't realise what your mum or dad does and then you ask questions as you get older. And I'd ask Dad about work and he'd talk to me about carotid surgery and bypass operations. He would explain what an aortic aneurysm was and then he'd ask me how I thought I would fix it, you know, if I was given that problem. And I think he enjoyed seeing me engaged in solving a problem but also looking at a problem with a kind of novel perspective and I see him do that to this day you know with his medical students and registrars and we sort of still do that in our own practice now where we discuss cases together and difficult cases where we have to look for a novel approach and a solution and we do approach these cases from different perspectives, I guess, because of the differences in our training, but we've got the same goals in mind. And were you looking to becoming a surgeon as soon as you had the opportunity? Not so much. When I left school, I thought I was going to be a lawyer, actually. And I thought to myself, I'm definitely not going to be a doctor and certainly not a surgeon and absolutely not a vascular surgeon. And it turned out differently. I guess you can't escape your genetics in some ways. I enrolled initially in an arts medicine degree at UNSW and that was really good because I got to spend some of the time studying the humanities and I did a bit of work in Irish poetry and spent a bit of time in Dublin as well. And I think that was good. I mean, it's I wasn't the type of surgeon that was hell-bent on becoming a surgeon from the outset, but the more I got exposed to it, the more I liked it and it was a kind of gradual development. And I think a lot of those skills that you learn in other fields of life help you with communication and reflection and expressing your ideas and those lessons aren't just learnt in the operating theatres but they're applicable to surgery so I guess I've come at it at a slightly different pathway but 
it's worked out for me. Mm. You say the realisation was gradual to become a surgeon, but was there any particular pivotal moment that made you switch across? I think more so the pivotal moment was developing an interest in surgery itself. And that came when I was a medical student at Prince of Wales. And I was taught by a well-known late Professor Brian Yeo, who many surgeons, I think, in practice around Sydney today would have been taught and inspired by him. He was a general surgeon, but even into his latter years, and I knew him in his late 60s, he was he maintained this almost childlike fascination with surgery. And he was he taught us about fistulas and healing by secondary intention. And he would hold the jaundice breakfast at Prince of Wales and he loved tennis and would tell us you've got to move your feet in surgery like you do in tennis. And he was an inspiring teacher and treated everyone around him with a lot of respect. I guess it was a sort of gradual migration to vascular surgery, which at the time I saw as a really progressive specialty. And a lot of that was to do with what we term the endovascular era or the endovascular revolution, where a lot of procedures that have in previous times been performed using open surgical technique are now done minimally invasively and even during my training by the end of my training we were treating certain conditions in a different way to when I began training that was only a five or six year period so I really enjoy working on that continually changing curve and trying to achieve similar results in surgery but being less and less invasive over time. Well, today you both work together. What's it like to work with your dad? For me, it's always been a very positive experience, I guess both professionally and personally. We started working together after I'd become a fully trained vascular surgeon. We're both different personalities and, as I mentioned, we've been trained in different ways. He trained at a time when surgeons did everything. They, they did Whipple's procedures and gastrectomies and cystectomies and aneurysms. And my training was more heavily influenced by the minimally invasive era. But I think we've been able in some ways to build both of those influences into our practice and into cases when we combine. For example, we've worked on and developed a technique for managing difficult abdominal aneurysms that are unsuitable for conventional minimally invasive surgery. And what we do in that operation is put a Teflon collar around the neck of the aorta to create a new bit of aorta that you can then seal and endograft in. So that, I guess, brings together both of our influences in open surgery and minimally invasive surgery. And we do that in the new hybrid vascular laboratory, which was built up at Gosford in 2018. And we're actually working on a case at the moment together, which is a patient with a large abdominal aortic aneurysm, but the patient also has a horseshoe kidney, which is a rare renal anomaly. And we're planning on using this technique with the open surgery in addition to a branched endograft to make it work. So I think the patients sort of understand what we're doing and our registrars all work in well with having a father-son combination and I see more benefits than issues, really. And what about you, Bernie? How is it working with your son? Oh, we're very, very comfortable with it and I think it gives exponential benefits to non-related people working together because you just know how each other thinks and 
you can discuss things casually um, at any old time. And I think we both bring different aspects, as Victor said, to the practice. Uh, I mean, I, I've come from an open surgical background, bearing in mind that we also at Gosford took part in the endovascular revolution. And Australia is the unsung hero of that. Australia actually led the world in endovascular surgery. And I don't think the world actually realises that much these days. It did at the time because famous people like Michael Lawrence Brown and Jeff White and Jim May on opposite sides of the country led the way in developing these new keyhole-type techniques to treating vascular surgery. And when I went to Gosford in 1986, if someone had said to me that you'd be able to fix an aneurysm, an aortic aneurysm, without making a cut and the patient go home the next day, I would have said, well, you can go to the asylum, you know, but it's all that has taken place during the uh, 34 years I've been there. And Victor's actually been trained through the vascular training program of the college, which has only come into the being into the late 1980s. And it's, it's actually uh, reached worldwide recognition as probably the best vascular training in the world. And coming through from that has been an advantage for me because I can use some of what his skills and he can use some of my skills and it also allows you to temper things so that we don't go overboard with endovascular surgery we don't go overboard with open surgery so uh, I mean there are many many advantages not only being related but for having people who come from a different angle of treating vascular disease. Well no doubt that the skills that you both have complement each other. Do your patients recognise that? Do they understand the benefits or do they get confused having two Dr. Burks? I don't think they get confused. I mean, we're very open with patients if we're going to be taking on a case together. And we tend to reserve that co-surgeon type environment for the more complex high-risk cases. And it's often abdominal aortic aneurysmal disease or occasional difficult carotid operations. And I think patients are very comfortable with that. They're comforted by having two vascular surgeons rather than one. And they don't mind that we're related. I think a lot of the patients on the Central Coast know that we're related. As surgeons, I guess we have fairly high expectations of one another and we're mindful of that familial relationship. And we both have the same goals of excellence in patient care and outcomes. I think the registrars occasionally get confused with two Dr. Burks. So I'm told that they refer to us as Big Burke and Little Burke or B1 and B2 for clarity at times. <laughs> well, I suppose finally, I've got to say congratulations, Victor, on the birth of your child. Thank you. Does that mean perhaps one day down the track there'll be an extra Burke chiseled on the front <laughs> of the plaque out the front of the, uh, the clinic? Uh, you might have to ask my wife, Lena, about that. So she's <laughs> actually a GP herself. So there might be some vying that he becomes a GP rather than a vascular surgeon. And so I, I just want him to be happy. And, you know, if he, if he wants to pursue that career, he'll have my full support. But you never know. In 30 years or so, there may be no more vascular surgery and it's all gene therapy and, and that kind of clever medical treatment for vascular disease. So who knows? Dr. Victor Burke and his father, Dr. Bernie Burke. RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network. 
the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. You can reach the Bongiorno National Network on plus 613 9863 3111.